You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. Have you ever been offered an opportunity and said, uh, you know, I just don't have the time? Well, I know that I have. Well, guess what? That's just a story. Because we all have the same amount of time. 24 hours a day. Hey, hello, and welcome once again to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. I'm excited to announce that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial of their service at www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. That is www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. You can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. If you get value from today's show, Make sure to visit us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio. And leave us your rating and review. Then click subscribe. Also, definitely visit changeyourstorypodcast.com and download your free ebook, Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. I would love to hear from you to get your impressions of the show and to tell me the things that you would like to see in it going forward. You can reach me at Lewis, that's L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. I am really, really excited today because our special guest is a person who didn't let I don't have the time become her story. She was an extremely busy woman who had a very successful career in pharmaceutical sales. She was a representative for a, a pharmaceutical company and also a leadership coach. On top of that, she is a single mom with three children. So any new opportunities that might have come her way, she could have stopped them dead in her tracks and said, I don't have the time. But no, she went on to become a millionaire network marketer, a philanthropist, an author, a fitness enthusiast, a public speaker, and the list goes on and on. She has risen to the top of two different network marketing companies. She's trained thousands of people worldwide, been featured as a keynote speaker in the United States and abroad. She was featured on the cover of Empowering Women magazine, in Prosper magazine, Network Marketing Times, and the Flip Flop CEO. She's also the author of The Art of Getting What You Want, how to Cultivate the Happiness, Health, and Wealth You Desire, which includes a foreword by Jack Canfield of Chicken Soup for the Soul. On top of that, this busy woman is also a member of the National Speakers Association, a Master Life Coach, an Ontological and Somatic Coach, and a Master Trainer of Neuro-Linguistic Programming, as well as being a self-made multimillionaire. Now, does it stop there? No, it doesn't. Well, you know, she's a single mom of three amazing kids, Gianna, Victoria, and Nikki. Most recently, her current network marketing company gave her the President's Award for 2015. And now she's going to be, this summer, in Las Vegas, 
has featured as one of the top 25 women in MLM, and she's going to be sharing the stage and training with none other than Eric Warre. She's also a spokesperson for Integrated Genetic Solutions, which is a software company that tests DNA and body chemistry to help doctors augment their practical treatment of patients. Don't be intimidated. She's a flesh and blood person just like me and you. And I'm proud to call her a friend and, yes, a mentor of mine. Welcome, Lisa DeMeo, to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Wow, thank you. Did I really do all that? (laughs) Well, yeah, I I guess you want to meet that woman now, right? (laughs) When did I do all that, Louis? Oh, thank you for that amazing, amazing introduction. I never quite heard it all like that, and it's um, gosh, yeah. How did I how did I manage all that in in uh, in my nineteen years? You know what? You know what's incredible. I mean, the funny thing is, we make a joke of it. But whenever people hear their own accomplishments, they often react the way you do. They go, "Wait a minute, how did I do that?" The only thing is, what's inspired, which should be inspiring to people, is that most people stop with, how can I do that? They don't believe they can. You believe that you could, so you did it. So let's start at the beginning. You know, where were you born, Lisa? I was born in Queens, New York, just outside of New York City. I am one of four children. Uh, I am the, the third, and I have a younger brother who's... Um, In my current company with me, we work together. Um, And what else? Well, I'd love to know, um, what was it like growing up for you? Because some of my guests who are extremely successful have had great childhoods. Some of them haven't. What was yours like? Mm -hmm. I had a great childhood. Um, What we didn't have in material things and money, we certainly had in love. Uh, I by no means had it easy. We struggled financially uh, throughout my teenage years. My dad was stricken with uh, brain and lung cancer, and he passed away the day before I turned 18. So all of college, all of my high school years was um, brought with challenges. Um, surrounded by drugs and alcohol, basically my my whole life. And um, we grew up in a blue collar neighborhood. Hardly anybody went to college. My parents certainly didn't. My mom didn't go to high school. And it was really um, street smarts. And and it for me, it was not wanting to continue the life that I had, although we were, we were loved and we were well taken care of. And my, I'm so close to my family, I, I, my brothers and my sister, my mom, but really wanted more and knew that it was only up to me to, to create that And fortunate enough, um, because of the love we got from my parents and the foundation that we had in our unit, I was, I was able to see beyond the circumstance and raised by a very powerful woman. My mom's just amazing at 83 years old. She's here now helping me with my kids. I mean, she's just incredible. And she always told us there isn't anything you can't accomplish. Just go for it. She'd always say, oh, get over yourself. Just try it. Give it a shot. What do you have to lose? And we were raised that way. And um, I wasn't a great student. I was always in trouble for talking. Go figure. <laughs> and, um, but, but I went on. I, I worked all through college. I worked a full-time job and had a full-time coursework uh, graduated college in four and a half years. I put myself through college. I paid for it. And I was the first one in my family to graduate. So I knew that it it necessarily wasn't a college career, but I wanted the education to, to see what I didn't have. And we weren't surrounded by that. A lot of my friends went on to to, um, become police officers and firefighters. And for me, it was just different. I, I always had that that entrepreneur uh, attitude. I didn't want to ever work for someone. And I was always wondering, you know, why am I going to college? I know I'm never going to have a boss. I know that I'm never going to want to answer to somebody. But I knew that there was a reason why. 
And later on, um, I certainly needed a degree to be in the pharmaceutical industry, which I was in for 14 years. So it was um, at the age of 19 that I discovered the world of personal development, and I became fascinated with coaching. And when people were out partying and hanging out and dating, and, um, and I had my share, definitely, but I spent hours and hours and hours in the personal development. It was um, self-help, the self-help section of the bookstores, just reading and learning and watching infomercials. And 13 years old, I'd watch Tony Robbins over and over on infomercials and just saying, you know, you have to change how you think about things. And it was truly embedded in me. And it was at the age of 19, right after my dad had passed, and we were, um, gosh, we were so broke, and my mom was really struggling, and I was working this full-time job, getting home 10, 11 o'clock every night, working weekends, back in class at 8 o'clock in the morning, that I um, I became very depressed, and um, our family truly fell apart, and I, I knew that it wasn't normal to wake up every day wanting to go back to bed or wishing that it was all over. And that's when I just knew it was um, fight or flight for me. So really um, submerging myself in, in every kind of course. Of, my best girlfriend, Rebecca, would say to me all the time, I mean, think about all the times you ate out of vending machines and slept anywhere just to go to another coaching course. And I took it seriously, and I began my journey at 19 into the, into the world of personal development. Who was, who was your, your most important mentor at that time, uh, the person who inspired you the most, besides Anthony Robbins, who's inspired so many of us? My mom. My mom and my grandma, um, you know, getting through, you know, in your 40s to find out that your husband is dying of brain and lung cancer and uh, my older brother and sister were out of the house at that time, but I, my brother and I were still home. And my mother took on three jobs. You know, hence I saw the importance of education because how hard it was for her. And really her determination to make everything be okay for us. So it, I would absolutely hands down say my mom. Uh, what we lacked in, in material things, like I said, we definitely had in love and support. And then later on, uh, my coach, Robin, who um, for 10 years I worked with her, we coached together for um, a period of time in New York City. And then, you know, so much later on in life had happened again, just adversity, right? And Robin died of pancreatic cancer. Her diagnosis was, um, it, it happened in uh, September, and, and by January she had passed on. So she was... Uh, Gosh, another powerful woman in my life. And yeah, you know, Tony Robbins and all the gurus, but it, it's always that person in your life that's saying, yes, you can. And I always say, Louis, every day to people in my team, uh, on my team, or who come to my courses, don't let anyone live in your head rent free. Surround yourself, find the people that tell you, yes, you can, of course you can. Because negativity is so insidious and it shows up in so many different ways. And people would say to me all the time, like, stop being such a dreamer. You know, just be poor like the rest of us. Just be happy with where you are. It's never going to happen for you. You'll never do it two times. It's not meant for people like us. And, I mean, if I replay all this stuff and I would just say, gosh, these poor people. Like, can you imagine being stuck in that head? And I were flat out refused to listen. And um, it, so began my journey, really strengthening what went on in my own head, the way I controlled my thoughts. Uh, your thoughts are the first thing we need to monitor. We're linguistic beings. It's what we say to ourselves. And it's in those dark moments. You know, it's so easy to go to a motivational course and get all fired up. And, and then you come home and we all have those periods of we're alone with our thoughts. And what is it that you're creating? What is the tape that's playing over and over and over in your mind? So I was able uh, within my 20s to start really working on being rigorous with what I thought and how I thought and then how I acted based on what I was thinking. That's wonderful. I mean, because that what you just said is the heart of everything that 
I all the reasons why I created this show because that's my belief and it's not an academic belief it's the, you're a person who's proving it that it's the story that you tell yourself is what is the reality that you will create and I mean I can totally relate to what you're saying because I used to hear the same thing don't be such a dreamer you're an idealist blah 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 well it's those dreams and ideals that keep me growing and keep my life expanding, just like with you. That is so wonderful to hear. Now, was there ever a time, I mean, you were, you know, um, growing up in New York, a young woman in an Italian family, did you ever have a thought of becoming something else, like becoming something more traditional, more limiting? As a kid, did you think about that? Was that in your head? Oh, the negative thought process? Absolutely. Um, no, I don't mean that. I don't mean a negative, but so much. But, you know, people say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, it could be something as simple as I want to find the guy who's going to take care of me and, and get married and have 10 kids. You know what I mean? That, was that ever, as a young woman, part of your mindset? No. You know, it's interesting. Um, my goodness, I'm so glad that you, you asked that question. I never, ever saw a man as an escape for my current situation, ever. It was never, um, it was never talked about in my house. I mean, I've never once heard my mother say, you should just marry a, you know, a wealthy person and never, ever. And one of the things, I don't know if you, you know, I know you've seen me on stage um, in front of tens of thousands of people coaching or training, but I've said this over and over in audiences of, you know, 10,000 plus people. One of the things I'm most proud of, I, I'm, I have three children and my girls are 14 and 12. And my daughter will say, you know, mom, when I'm 18, I want you to sign me on, um, you know, to be a distributor in, in the company I'm with. And she comes to the events and they're coming with me to Australia next month. And they say over and over, you know, my daughter wants to be a teacher, and that's where she is right now at 14. You know, she wants, she's, she idolizes her teachers, and she'll say, but I want to do what you're doing so I can have the same lifestyle. Never one time did she ever say, I want to meet, you know, a man. I, I, it's so foreign to me. Um, in this day and age, there are a lot of women who far uh, exceed their, their or far surpass what their husbands make, and I see it as equality. You know, I, I am a single mom, but I do work hand-in-hand with my ex-husband. He's an incredible human being, and my children are so blessed to have him as a dad. And it was never an issue that I made more money. Um, so I never had that belief system because of my mom, and I never... Knew I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I mean, when my kids <laughs> left, I mean, seriously, I, 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 um, I never saw it like that. I wasn't brought up to think that way. That you know, you you just you grow up, you get married, you have kids, and you just accept that life. So we were taught that you create whatever it is you want. I I come from a family of musicians, so money oh. was never. Um, really, we never talked about money. It was just not part of the deal in our family. Everybody was broke. And there wasn't an aspiration for anybody to have material things. It was all about the arts and music and love and, um, you know, kind of like hippies in disguise, I guess. But I wanted more. And as I got older and as I had my own children, what I realized was it wasn't about the stuff. It's certainly not about the bags and the shoes, and we all joke about it, and it's so fun to be able to, to have all that stuff, but it's about changing the world and what I can do as a result of having this platform and, and this kind of money now. And when I die, my children are left empowered. They know their love. They have incredible values. Uh, they're well taken care of. But the world is a very toxic place, and we can't survive on a bunch of poor people. It's, you're either playing full out to win and make a difference, or you're taking from society. You can't be both. You're either a giver or a taker. And I truly look at what I do and, and the way I'm able to give back is, is you can, as I continue to create abundance, 
whether it's one person at a time or getting people out of their current situation or empowering somebody to do what's beyond their limitations, they become this source of mattering takes place. And when a person gets, I matter, everything around them starts to shift and they start to shift their way of thinking. And one by one, that's how we create critical mass. So maybe I'll make a teeny little dent in the world for people to get I matter. But when people get I matter, they're not stealing, raping, uh, they're, you know, getting into drugs, joining gangs. So it's truly creating critical mass by locking arms with like-minded thinkers and knowing that even if my, my piece is small, it's, it's significant in that I can help somebody else make a change as well. That's phenomenal. And, and it's not so small. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually quite huge. You know, when you made that joke before, uh, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Underneath that, it's not a joke. I mean, I was um, recently uh, studying a thought leader who made a great point. Says we have to remember that it's never finished. Nothing is ever finished. Uh, we're always in a process of growing and expanding, or we should be anyway. And if you're in that state, then I guess you would feel, what will I be when I grow up? Because your roles are going to, you're probably going to be discovering new roles always as long as you're on the planet. And that is fantastic. That is so inspiring to hear. Now, I, you've worked in the corporate You know what? I want to jump back for a second. You said something that fascinated me before. You said that you were surrounded by drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. Can you expand a little bit more on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just how it was the environment that I grew, grew up in. Um, it was everywhere. I mean, right outside of New York City at the age of 12, um, I already, you know, I knew so much more than my children do. And, um, you know, watched friends of mine just get, get hooked. And, uh, it was everywhere. It was easy, easily accessible. Um, I am no stranger to the effects of, of addiction. So, you know, it was a path that I could easily have chosen to, to explore and, um, just watched so much devastation and, you know, even through college, it, it was everywhere. So, you know, and I know that it is in this day and age, and um, we have to, to educate our children about the effects. It's not about trying it, but it starts with a few drinks at a party. And, you know, I just, I grew up in a drug-infested area, so it was um, easily available. And I just watched too many things happen to too many people that I love, and it was, just wasn't for me. That's wonderful. You know, um, just as a note, um, I also have a similar background. I grew up in the Bronx, and I was surrounded by that. I saw people die uh, because of drugs, etc. So I know exactly where you're coming from. Now, you worked in the corporate world, right, for a while? Oh, I did. I was um, in the pharmaceutical industry for 14 years. What and, was that like? Um, gosh, back in the day, I loved it. It was... It was fun when I was single and before I had children, but it was a lot of, it was hard work. Um, I love the autonomy of not being in an office all day long, but, you know, at the end of the day, you had to make your numbers. And I remember it was after Gianna was born and um, she's my, my, my first born. She was sick and she was in the hospital for um, almost a month when she was born. And I remember most of my maternity leave was back and forth to um, Schneider's Children's Hospital to go sit with my baby. And that's not how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to have your baby and you bring your baby home. And it was just devastating for me. And the stress of knowing I had to leave her and I took this itty bitty thing home at five pounds at almost a month old and I'm um, just wanting to be with her. And um, it wasn't easy. I was up all night. She was, a, she was sick. And then I got sick. And I was hospitalized for seven days as a result of just all the stress of the emotional stress really took a toll on my body. And I remember going back to work and, uh, you know, my, my manager saying, you, need, you have to make your numbers. 
but I was so emotionally and physically exhausted saying at that point, this is, this can't be like this. I'm chasing the rat's tail in front of me and we can't get out of this rat race and going home to my husband saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to be home. This is, I'm so tired and I'm breaking down in my thirties. I, I can't do this. And by the time I had Victoria, my second baby, I now had two kids in daycare. I was leaving the house. It was dark. I was coming home. It was dark. Sunday nights, I had this incredible stomach ache because I had to do it all again on a, on a Monday. And I was living for a Saturday where I'd food shop clean my house and maybe if I was lucky, go get a manicure and saying, why? You know, I went to college. My ex-husband went to college. We both have good quote unquote jobs. Why are we struggling financially? Why is it so hard? Why am I so miserable? And, you know, you ask the universe, and they, uh, that was the article in Networking Times that I had done, the universe always provides. And I just kept saying, please give me an answer. And I was coaching at night. I was a pharmaceutical rep all day long. I was going back and forth into the city. I was burning the candle at both ends. And we had another couple come over. I was married at the time. And we played the game Cash Flow by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about trading time for money, trading time for money, and what would happen if you were to lose your current source of income, either due to downsizing or injury. You know, how long could you survive on your savings? And it was that night I said to my ex-husband, I'm going to do network marketing. I'm meeting all these network marketers at all these coaching events. These people know more than I do. I- I'm crazy for not getting involved in this industry. Now I'm a leadership coach. I'm coaching in Manhattan. I know how to build teams. I know how to work with people. It's really just helping other people. And I was so determined. And that very next weekend, I was presented uh, with a kit to get started in my former company. And that was it. I mean, I've always worked my my businesses like my life depends on it. Because it did. My well-being did. I didn't want somebody in daycare raising my children. I, it, Lewis, putting my kids, and you know, I know people have incredible jobs, and there is there, there are surgeons and there is attorneys, and um, they have to do this. You know, it, it, they don't have another choice. And there's, I, I have friends who own daycare centers, and God bless them for what they provide. It was killing me. I literally, in my gut, I couldn't do it. I dropped them off. They'd be crying, clinging to my leg. And I just sit in the car and cry, and just that you know it was too much for me. And and to see that if I really put my mind to something, I can have it all and have it all at the same time. And I don't have the limiting belief that women can't have it all at the same time. So many of us are juggling babies on our hips and uh, you know pregnant and and doing it all. And same thing for men. There are so many single men out there that are juggling everything, that they don't have the support of a spouse, or they have their children, you know, four nights a week or on the weekend, and they're juggling so much at the same time. It was just figuring out how to do it. And, you know, I, I messed up a lot. I, there, I look back and, you know, had I done this or that? And um, it, it really isn't saying no. I was okay to have a messy house for a while. I was okay to let the laundry pile up. I I remember going out and buying socks and underwear for the kids so they didn't even have time to do laundry. It was just, you know, at that time we couldn't afford somebody to start helping. And um, making the sacrifices necessary and letting go of, it's supposed to look like this. It's supposed to sound like this. My life is supposed to look a certain way. I didn't care. And I know people talked about me and um, you know, they, it, it was all of that. And that's what a leadership is able to, to process. It's not going to look the way that we think it's going to look while we're going through it. People will talk about you. Are the people who, talking about, who are talking about you, do they have a life or a lifestyle that you ultimately are striving for? Are they supporting your decision? I, and I was able to ask myself the right questions to keep my head in the game and keep doing what was necessary to have this lifestyle that I have now. 
That is fabulous. I mean, that is just so wonderful to hear because um, you hit on another really key thing here that stops people. They're so afraid that people won't like them that they will compromise their dreams for that. Mm-hmm. And you didn't do that. You just kept going. Now, how long did it take you to start really tasting some success in network marketing? Were you an overnight success or did you really have to like, you know, stumble and fall a lot? You know, I'm so happy you asked me this question, like million dollar question right now. (laughs) It's all the stuff in life. So for all of you who are starting out, you need to look at all your life experience that got you where you are now. We all own our results. Whatever they are, whatever you think about your results, you earn them, right? I didn't earn your check. You earned your check. I didn't earn your circumstance. You did by the choices we've made up until this point in time in our life. So up until the point that I had joined my previous company, I was a leadership coach. I was a life coach. I spent every single penny on personal development. I gave up nights. I gave up weekends. I went to courses. I did workshops. I went to seminars. I was trained in a, in a pharmaceutical giant for 14 years on how to present myself. I took public speaking courses. I went to college. I, I mean, so much life. So by the time I'm sitting in front of this opportunity to do network marketing, Within five months, I was at the tippy-tippy top of my company. I earned all the titles, the, the income, was able to leave my current job. But it wasn't, I wasn't a five-month wonder. It was years and years and years of preparation to have me be, quote-unquote, an overnight success in the industry. And mm-hmm. it's really, um, it's upsetting to me when people say all the time, you know, she was a um, an overnight success two times because I think it, 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 other people look at it and they say, well, I could never do that. And it's so disheartening because that, yes, they can, but I don't know what their experience up until that point was for them. So we need to take always the full picture into view before we can say or judge somebody else's success. So if we look at what individually we're great at. Some people are incredible listeners. Some people are incredible communicators. Other other people are just amazing caregivers. Own all that stuff about yourself. Really embody that. Who are you as a person? What do you value? If I said to you, I, I need a really good friend to listen, would you say, my gosh, I'll be there. Speak to that point. All the qualities that make you who you are. And bring that to your ID number. Bring that life experience to the industry. And that's how, if we keep pulling from that inside of us, we can have tunnel vision. We can focus on a goal and say, you know what? I am a generous listener. I am a good-hearted person. I deserve this. But we, we oftentimes look at our limiting beliefs. We look in the wrong place. So... I just said, you know what, all, this, all these years of making sacrifices, all these years of having no money, all these years of being, I'm so sick of it. I'm so <laughs> sick of this story. I am done. It, it's over. And I didn't talk to that point. I talked about all the stuff that I could provide for somebody. And when I did that with my initial team and said, hey, listen, you guys, no matter what, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to be at the top of this company and I'm going to be on stage talking about it. And I'm going to, it was that vision that I had that people joined me because it was the belief, right? Belief has a sound. So it was the belief I had in myself that evoked belief in others. And that's how I did what I did in, in such a short amount of time. That's fabulous. That, that is such an inspiring thing. And, um, what would you say were the biggest challenges, even though you rose to the top, so to speak, in five months? What were the biggest challenges uh, when you started MLM? Oh, goodness gracious. What weren't? What, what, what wasn't a challenge? Um, you're never going to do this. Why don't, you're so pretty. Why don't you just go sell some perfume in Bloomingdale? Uh, it's a pyramid scheme. 
people like you will never make it to the top. Uh, don't don't talk to my friends. Don't talk to our family. Uh, it's not a real job. It's not a real career. All of it, you know, all of it. It's it's. I just coached somebody this morning, and she's just incredible in her twenties, and you know, such a strong vision. And she's having a really tough day. And I said, you know, here's the key to this whole business. As we're prepping for leadership, as you are developing all the skills necessary, negativity is insidious. And it comes all at one time. So it starts with, you know, perhaps your husband is saying, you're always on the phone and this isn't working for me. And you're like, okay, I need to deal with this. And then the kids are all screaming, crying at the same time. And then you're the person that you deem to be your strongest person calls and says, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm sending my stuff back. And then your, um, you know, your sponsor goes away for a week. And it's like all of a sudden you just sit there and you sit down in your own thoughts, in your own head with no evidence that this could work. And you say to yourself, what the heck am I doing? I'm crazy. This is never going to work for me. We've all had those door kicking moments where we feel like this is never, I'm insane. This is never going to work for me. And it's learning at that moment. That is your test. That is just simply your test. And I got really good. If you want to call it brainwashing myself to say, this is my test and I'm going to pass my test. And it all seems really hard right now, but really this is what's hard, Lewis. I'll tell you what's hard. What's hard is when my friend was dying of cancer and I was the only person that could go in the middle of the day and sit with her and hold her hand because everybody else had a job. Hard is letting somebody die alone because you have to report to a boss. Hard is telling your kids we can't turn up the heat because we don't have enough money. Hard is stepping over a human being in the streets of Manhattan because they got evicted and they can't afford to live anywhere. That's hard. Hard is not being rejected by people who have no idea what it is that I do. That's ego. And I was not letting my ego get in front of my vision. It just wasn't going to happen. Wow. You almost left me speechless, and I'm a guy who likes to talk a lot. That was powerful. That was quite, quite wonderful. And but, you know, you, but think about that. My oh, girlfriend I I was do. dying, right? My, my girlfriend's dying, and I was the only one that could get there during the day. I was the only one, and I saw that with my dad. My, my mom didn't want to put my dad in hospice, so my dad basically died in my living room. And it was a three-year process. And he was alone all day because my mom was working and all his friends were working. And it was him and an aide. And we'd come home from school and he just wanted somebody to be with him. In the scariest, darkest moments, people were tied to somebody else's vision, making somebody else rich. And I guess, you know, it was so harsh for me to see that that it was never going to be my destiny. There is absolutely no way somebody is going to tell me day in and day out what time I need to be someplace and what time I can come home and how many weeks vacation I get. And if my baby's sick, I can't be there. I need to be somewhere else. It wasn't going to happen for me. I hear you. And um, that is an important message for the world to hear. You know, before when you said... Well, I guess I got good at brainwashing. No, you didn't. What you got good at was recognizing, once again, that the thoughts that wanted you to stop were part of a negative story and that you had the strength and the vision to introduce a positive story that allowed you to conquer and to win. And that's fantastic. I mean, that that's Honey, that's why you're here today on this show. That's just, <laughs> oh, it's so it's so wonderful to hear. Now, 
uh, obviously you do believe in mentorship. I mean, you've been a mentor, you've been mentored. Do you have mentors right now and coaches that you work with right now? Always, 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 always. And I will tell you this, um, we truly do become like the five people we surround ourselves with. And when I look at the people that I'm with day in and day out, they inspire me. They, you know, I still call the, the owner of my current company um, for support. I, I lean on her. I call her in my, my dark moments. We all have them, you know, and I think people think you get to a certain level and it stops for you. We're human. Cut my finger, cut your finger. We both bleed red. We have the same universal ties that we all share. So it's all relative. Success is relative. If, if I talk to somebody who's making $50 million a year, I'm a baby. I'm just starting. I'm, and then I talk to somebody who's making $100,000 a year, and they want to be a seven-figure earner. It's all relative. So I absolutely do. I still go to courses. Um, you know, interestingly enough, before my girlfriend passed away, she said to me, your learning girlfriend is in front of the room. And I said, I can't do that. I'm not ready for that. I can't coach people. I need more experience in life. I, it was all my limiting beliefs started coming up. And I realized over and over that my learning is in the actual doing. It's in the feeling uncomfortable. It's when I'm intimidated to do something. I'm like, okay, there is the lesson right there. So, you know, there's always courses that I'll take and, and books to read and people to learn from. But it's it's actually doing the do and not just talking about it. I listen to people still today, you know, asking me to go do their meetings. You, you started five years ago with me. Do your own. Get uncomfortable. Wet in front of the room. Feel nervous. Do something that's stretching you. And, uh, you know, speaking in front of, of thousands of people next month as one of the top women in network marketing, that's a big deal for me. Doing a radio show, doing a TV show, speaking on stage in front of 16,000 people, it's intimidating. I'm this, you know, stay-at-home mom and with my kids all day. And I think people think we don't have those feelings. Of course we do. So I, I have to surround myself with people who are where I aspire to be so that I could model their behavior. And it's... Um, that's the toughest part in this industry is I never left any of my friends behind. I, I still have the core group of girls I, I grew up with, very much a part of my life. But what I learned to do is really model the behavior of people who are on a, are on a path that I want to follow and learning how they handle certain situations learning what it is that they do that I want to do. Wow. Now, is there any particular individual right now that stands out for you as a current mentor that you want, would name? Goodness gracious, there's so many. I'm the owner of my company, uh, my sponsor, um, one of my two best friends that I'm with day in and day out, uh, my mom, there are so many, my brother, you know, my brother is probably my, my Steve Lavodi He's my biggest fan and my, my biggest cheerleader. And I really watch how he navigates through things. And uh, he's always behind me saying, if anybody could do it, you could do it. And he's just, um, gosh, he's such an incredible spirit human being. So there's so many, my kids, you know, I sit with my kids and I say, you know, if mom gets this, what do you guys want? So when I'm pushing for another level, I have a vision board in my, my office that my daughter created for me. And um, she put, always do your best. Um, you'll experience more than ever before. I'm actually reading it right now. My mom is the best ever, created by your number one fan and supporter. And she signed her name, Gianna. And then she had the other kids write their names on it. They, you become like the people you're surrounded by the most and um, surround yourself with incredible people. We can't keep, you know, you know the story of the crabs in the bucket. If you put a bunch of crabs in the bucket and one crab tries to get out, the other crabs intuitively go to grab that crab and save him and keep him in the bucket. 
And you got to be reaching out to people outside of the bucket that say, you know, come out on this side of the world. It's, it's a different view. And we can only do that if we reach out to the people who are where we want to be. We listen to the people who, are, who have what we have. And you have to be willing to give up what you have to have what you don't. And that may be your circle of influence. That may be where you socialize. That may be the people you spend most of the time on the phone, you know, the most amount of time on the phone with all day. But you really need to take an inventory of our life and say, this works for me. It doesn't mean you don't love those people. It doesn't mean they're not still a part of your life. It doesn't mean you wouldn't be there in a heartbeat. It doesn't mean you can't still have fun together. But from a business perspective, from a life-changing perspective, do those relationships add or take away from what it is that you're aspiring to have? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Now, obviously, you're passionate about network marketing. You've talked about some of the things that you love about it, You the, the time freedom being one of the most important. Is there anything else that you would say excites you the most about the profession of network marketing? Yes, promoting other people. With my, I have a girl right now who's working so hard on my team, and she's about to hit another rank advancement. And just hearing the difference in her voice now from where she started. And there's, it's like the best, best feeling in the world when you have someone break six figures, when you have somebody quit their day job and they just say, I'm home with my kids, or you have somebody who um, they're about to file bankruptcy and they're able to get out of debt or they're able to pay for their kids' college. It is, that is what inspires me. I, and there are days I'm just, I don't want to get on the phone. I'm tired. I'm done. I, I just don't want to. And then I get that one message from somebody on my team or not even on my team. It could be in another company just saying, uh, your book inspired me. I heard you on Lewis's radio show. You know, could we have a conversation? And I know I made a difference in that person's life. It's, um, there's a story and I, I love this story. It's my favorite. And if you ever, if you, if you ever come to my house, Lewis, I have starfish everywhere because everybody always gives me these gifts. They, they post it on my Facebook wall. But this little boy is walking on the beach, and he sees all these starfish. They all washed up. It's low tide, and all the starfish are all over the beach. And he walks on the beach, and he starts to pick up starfish. And he throws one back in the water, and he throws another one back in the water. And this man's walking, and he says, little boy, what are you doing? You're never going to make a difference. Look at how many starfish. There's thousands that have washed up. You're never going to make a difference for them. And he picks up one starfish and he throws it back in the ocean and he says, I made a difference for that one. Uh. And that's, yeah, and that's how I live my life. So that's true. At this point, you know, another rank advancement, another, I don't even know the titles anymore. It's not about that. It's truly helping somebody else to have success. I, I think that's who we are. That's who network marketing people are. That's wonderful. Now, you of all people can speak to this because you're successful and you're a woman. Why do you think it is that that network marketing provides such a vehicle for success for women in particular? Because uh, if I'm not mistaken, women dominate this, this industry. Women dominate the industry, but men are the highest income earners across the board. It's yes. why I'm doing this event. So women dominate, but men make the most money. And I want to change that. <laughs> I want to be part of the whole movement that changes that. Well, um, you know what? I'm all the power to you. But still, it is something special for women. And what is it that this offers to women that, is far beyond what they could accomplish, let's say, even as CEOs of a company in, in a corporate world? Well, I think it's the autonomy. It's the fact that we uh, get to choose how we spend each and every day, whether it's with an aging parent. I know um, it's an epidemic right now in our, in our society. 
that you can't survive on Medicare and Social Security. So we're wearing the hats of the caregiver to our aging parents, as well as the caregiver to young children. For those people who have kids coming home from college, it's almost impossible in this day and age for them to find a job right away. So college kids are moving back home with their parents. And now we have this communal household of the, the parents, the kids, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of divorces out there. I think the divorce rate is it's so high right now. It's scary. And uh, for women, it gives us the autonomy to juggle all that we have going on and make a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, truly an incredible lifestyle. So that money never becomes the issue. And I don't believe that money creates happiness. I believe money makes happy people more comfortable. But it's it's easy for me at this point to have the time freedom that I need because I can pay somebody to cook and clean and do my laundry and run errands. And I can pay somebody to do all the landscaping and I can pay somebody to or uh, organize all my, my bills and my financials and I can pay an assistant to run my events so that I have this time to be at my son's basketball game as soon as we hang up the phone and, and to go shopping with my mom and to run around with my kids. And my son said it best. He said um, there were about 200 people at my home for an event and my son got up and he's nine and he said, just like this, you all need to listen to my mom. Because she's at everything I do at school. And when other kids don't have their moms there, they just cry. And <laughs> that's how he sees it. You know, that when I'm on the phone and they open the door twice, you know, I'm in my office and they look at me and I just put my finger up and they nod. Because they know that these are the sacrifices for me to be home when they don't feel well. That I can pick them up if I have to from school to get an eye, eye exam or go to the dentist or that somebody else isn't raising my children, but yet I don't have a mortgage. Everything is paid for. I don't have any debt. They can go to any college they choose. Money is not an issue. And that I can help the people I love. You know, last year, two years ago now, my, my mom had called me and she was hysterical. And she said, I got into a car accident. My car is totaled. And I said, are you okay? She had to go to the hospital in the ambulance, and they checked her, and she was fine. And the next week, I bought her a car. It's a piece of metal. Hey, Mom, it's a car. What kind of car do you want? And, you know, to have that flexibility, to have that freedom, I don't know, where else can I have that? That I can be home if my son or my daughters are sick that I can take a day off. I'm taking them with me next month to Australia. They, they're going to speak on stage with me. And then I can say to my mom, don't worry about it. It's a piece of metal. Just get another one. It's not a big deal. Where else do you have that? And if there's another way, you know, please let me know. But <laughs> in my 40-somewhat years, it hasn't come across my desk. <laughs> So that's, it's that, that's wonderful. It's that, that is freedom. so wonderful to hear. It's so inspiring. Um, you know, I, I have this theory, and, you know, please correct me if you feel I'm wrong, but that women take more naturally to network marketing because it's a team building and nurturing profession, and they're just naturally better at that instinctively than men are because men will often come at it from a an angle of, competition and this is more about cooperation do you agree with that i do i think it's ego and not saying that in a, in a bad way we all we all struggle with the egoic self and i think for men to truly wrap their head around i'm a network marketer is is hard and the, the reason why we have so many women join there are a lot of of women who gave up their careers to raise their family and then they start realizing the pressure of, of the one-income household, and they want to help. You know, I often hear that, I just want to help my husband. He's so tired. I want to help. And they get into it that way, and all of a sudden, they become the breadwinner. 
for men, I think it's um, it's very, very hard to give up their identity to say, I am a da-da-da, and then all of a sudden to say, I'm a professional network marketer. I, I have no problem whatsoever saying day in and day out, I am a professional network marketer. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. Why do you think that so many people resist or refuse to believe in MLM, even though there's all this evidence, you know, readily available that it presents so much success to people? Why do you think there's so much resistance? I just think it's lack of education. We don't talk about it. It's, I think it's changing now, Lewis. I can only hope, uh, thanks to people like you who are in the media and getting it out there. But I think there's truly a lack of education about what it is that we do and understanding this business model. And we're just unaware. And more. And it was, you know, people think of it as uh, it's something that women do with makeup or Tupperware. And <laughs> as more and more men are, are joining and realizing it's difficult in this day and age to have a career, you know, I see downsizing constantly. I was in the pharmaceutical industry and seeing these men with these incredible careers, um, certainly not making the money that I'm making and no. still not willing because they don't understand. And once they start to educate themselves about what this can provide, they're a yes. And I see it happening more and more. It's just taking the time to understand what it is that we do and also letting go of, of any ego attached to it and assuming the role of a student. And I think women, we're constantly learning how to reinvent ourselves. So, you know, as the, all the different roles, and certainly when you become a, a mom and the changes your body goes through and, um, you know, just everything changes and we're very used to change. And I think men get more comfortable in a certain role, and it's just understanding I need to be the student for a while. And it's, it's hard when people are very successful, they're great at what they do, and they're downsized, or they lose a, a company, or they have to file bankruptcy. It's that process of having to learn again. And I think women are, um, we're chameleons. We have to adjust to our environment constantly. I love that. That's a great answer. Where do you see yourself, uh, Lisa, in five years? Probably doing exactly what I'm doing now. I, you know, helping people, supporting people. I, I just took on another role in another company, Integrative Genetic Solutions and uh, IGS, and that's, um, I'm a spokesperson for that company. I'm loving it. It's challenging for me. So I see myself doing more work there, building, of course, um, my, my current network marketing company and speaking and supporting my children. Gosh, in five years, my daughter will have graduated, be in her first year of college. So, wow. um, you know, really being there. And I, I said to her the other day, Kiana, wherever you decide to go, I'm going to buy a condo nearby so that when I come to visit, you feel like you can leave campus and we can have a home wherever you are. So wherever my kids decide to go to school, to have um, they go to three different schools, to have three homes close by where they can have a place and travel to be with them. I see myself uh, spending one month in Italy every summer with the kids and their friends and whoever else wants to join us, um, traveling with my family. So you know, really doing more, just doing more of the same and, and growing another company alongside of my current network marketing company. I love it. And I, you know, I wish a lot of people, especially a lot of women hear this and take it to heart because what Lisa's describing is living the dream, creating the story that you can actually live into. And that is just wonderful. I also didn't want to overlook this. I, um, it's on your bio and it's a, a beautiful thing that uh, you had the pleasure of meeting Oprah Winfrey on stage last year and that you were in a position to support a cause 
that she was championing and donate $25,000 of your own money because you can. And, you know, uh, kudos to you for that, Lisa. That's wonderful. Mm. Thank that you. So How can people contact you if they want to get in touch with you? Oh, I'm so easy to find. <laughs> it's uh, on Facebook. I am Lisa Lavoti, L-I-V-O-T-I, DeMeo. So on Facebook, if they're looking to buy my book, The Art of Getting What You Want, which I um, it's, it's a coaching book. It's on Amazon. Just go to The Art of Getting What You Want on Amazon. And I'm on Instagram. So uh, releasedemayo.com is my my website. So Facebook is always the best way. Wonderful. And for those um, who want to to really get it clear, DeMayo is D-E-M-A-Y-O. I can't thank you enough. You've, you've contributed so much. Um, you've inspired me tremendously today, once again. And I want to leave people with this, with this thought. After listening to this, look at the circumstances in your life that you might see as obstacles to achieving your dreams. Then focus vividly on the dreams until you get really excited about them. And then take the next step to make the change, to change those limiting circumstances by digging very deep and asking, how can I change my story and change my life. Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.